episode 171 of tall boy radio this week we have a couple of guests from over the pond again and we're going to be talking music we're going to be doing our best not to sing but who knows where it goes when the beer flows that didn't i mean, rhymed actually that wasn't really what i was intending before we get to the two guys who are joining us let's say hello to our irregular who's joining us tonight gals there's no dave say hello dude Hello, dude. Hi, guys. Evening the world. Looking forward to this. Look, it's it's been a it's been a, a while since we've had certainly one of our two guests on, and it's and always an absolute pleasure when when he joins us. And Ad, you're a poet. You just don't know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. As it turns out, yeah, quite rightly so. So before we get to our two guests, I did say and I want to promise, like, if you've been on our website, head to tallboyradio.com if you haven't. Go down to the bottom of the homepage, and there is a section there where you can send us an email. You can tweet us. Or you can leave us a voice message. Beans, Gaz, Andy, this is Bo. Do you guys actually read these things or listen to these things? Because I never hear anyone or you guys actually play this <laughs> on the podcast. So I'm challenging you, if you hear this, you'd like to, go ahead and play this all the way from Texas. Of course, I don't believe Andy's going to be there. It'll probably be a guest or maybe even me. Who knows? Take care, guys. Love the website. <laughs> the man's psychic. <laughs> so that first <laughs> is, is Bo. Had you had a few beers by any chance when you left us that message? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I remember doing it um, <laughs> a little bit. But uh, I did. I, that was the first time I actually went to the website. And I saw that, and I was like, I wonder if they actually get these. And you were like, hey, man, you're the first person to ever leave us a voice message. That's <laughs> true. It's true. So you, you, you can also do it through our host as well, and our host, which is Spotify for podcasters. We've had a few left on there. All of those were by Dave. So if someone else wants to leave us a message, actually, it'd be really, really nice. So if you hadn't guessed, we're joined tonight all the way from San Antonio by my cousin Bo. And we're going to be talking music. And not only that, we're joined by a friend of his by the name of Kevin. Did you want to say hello? Hey, everybody. Glad to be here tonight. Hopefully I have some barbs of wisdom. We'll see. <laughs> we need, <laughs> Lord only knows we need that on the podcast. So a while ago, we did an episode with Bo, actually, funnily enough, about movie remakes. We did another episode recently with Paul from Seismic Cinema about sequels. So we kind of talked about it there, about how you remake movies and what have you, and what our thoughts on that. So what we thought we'd do is do the final piece in the trilogy and do one about music and about music remakes. So before we do, obviously, you've got two guys from the UK, two guys from the US. So I'd be interested in hearing a little bit about the kind of music you like and a little bit about the kind of music you listened to growing up. So, Bo or Kevin, I don't know if you want to, whichever one of you get, wants to take it away first, and then we'll hear a bit about Gazzy's taste in music a little afterwards. Kevin, you go, go first. Oh, of course. Thank you. Oh. <laughs> I grew up in uh, the Deep South, 
in Mississippi with my father, who is a Navy guy who was born in Alabama. And I didn't know there was any other music besides country music when I grew up. So I didn't realize there was anything available other than that until I joined the military. And I was in stationed in Belgium for two years. And one of my roommates was a DJ from Brooklyn. Um, one of the one of the great things about the U.S. military is, is you generally end up getting put in and working close with and living with people from all walks of life you would have never, ever imagined that you would meet. So he taught me all the club music that he used to te- or, uh, used to play in the clubs, um, Brothers Johnson, all the rap stuff that was just coming out in the late 80s. Um, so, so my views got way expanded beyond that. Right now, uh, mostly it's what we call the dirt circuit uh, in Texas uh, music. Little known bands that you don't hear on the radio a lot. Uh, those are the ones that I listen to the most. And most of that, of course, is, uh, you know, on what do you call it? The, the music services that they have. But anyway, moving on from them to uh, to old blues and old rock and roll from the 60s and 70s. Those are kind of my favorites. Cool. Cool. So you spent some time in Belgium. That's 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 pretty cool. So Andy, who's sometimes on here, the Viking, as he's, as Bo refers to him, as who you beat in the old drinking contest. Yeah. So he spent a little bit of time in Belgium as well. Full enough. Oh, yeah, okay. he, he, yeah. Yeah. He, he lived in Bruges for for quite a while. Was it Bruges or no Brussels? I was in Florin for two years, which way in the south near Gervais, France. Oh, um, cool. So that was really nice. I mean. I enjoyed it. I got to see a lot. I bet. I bet. Yeah, it's a fantastic country, is Belgium. So, Bo, go on and tell us a, a little bit about how you know Kevin, and b a little bit about your music taste and the stuff you you listen to growing up and the stuff you listen to now. Yeah. So, uh, Kevin, um, when I moved to San Antonio, he was one of the first people that I had uh, I met. He was a trainer. He was a head trainer for police officers. He'd been doing it a very long time. And about six months later, I uh, I got a position working for him. In the training department, so best job in the in the police department by far, best boss I've ever had. So it was it was we just became very good. Yeah, slow down, pump your brakes. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh it was it was pretty amazing to uh, to be there, and you know I pretty much owe everything that I have right now and I've done right now to you know how he's kind of brought me along. As far as the music goes, he and I have a lot of the same taste in music. The one thing he would do every single day when I came into the office, he had a big speaker that was right there and it was playing music all day long. And of course, he's making up his own words to (laughs) all the songs. (laughs) And uh, not that he doesn't know the words, but he it's just a lot better when you're making up your own stuff, you know. So I would spend half my day, you know, laughing at what he was doing and the other half trying to catch up on work. (laughs) Fair play, fair play. So go on then, Gaza. Did you tell us a little bit about your music taste? You didn't there, did you? Sorry, I was going to go to Gaz. I know, well, here's the interesting thing. So when you talked about, was it the Texas Dirt Road music? I forget what it was called now. So you you, you played me some of that stuff while you were over here. And and although you say, you know, they might not be known outside of Texas, gee whiz, they had some views, didn't they? They're talking 10 million views on YouTube, some of them. Yeah, that was one thing. Uh, Randy Rogers was uh, was one of the ones that I put on the YouTube for him, and he goes, "This guy doesn't leave Texas." I said, "Pretty much not. I mean, he might go, you know, maybe to a show here and there." I said, "But it's just Texas." He goes, "How do they have ten million views?" I said, "Well, Texas has got almost forty million people." 
you know, and Randy Rogers is a big name here. You don't even have to leave Texas to, to be big, you know, in the state. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. Isn't it? Go on then guys. Tell us. Well, mind you got to give me some stick anyway, so I'll give you some stick now. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us a little bit about the music you listen to then dude, and what you listen to growing up. Oh, it's weird really. Cause obviously our two guests said they have very similar sort of tastes in music. My labs are probably completely polar opposites, I suppose. And no, to be fair, there's a couple of bands that I suppose through being friends with Adam, I sort of got listening to. And my music taste is very, very eclectic. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not one of these people who will only listen to a particular genre or a particular type of music. If I like the song, irrespective of what genre it's from, I, I generally will listen to it. But I suppose growing up. I listened to a lot of Queen, that they were the band that I listened to a lot. Night at the Opera, Day of the Races sort of albums were, were just brilliant albums. I think obviously the, the, the Wembley concert really got, when I saw that, I was like, wow, like Freddie Mercury's amazing, he's brilliant, top front man, probably, well, I would argue possibly the best front man out there. You know, others will say, no, it, it Elvis or Jagger or... Prince or whoever it is, for me, Freddie Mercury was was a bit of a genius. So I, I sort of grew up listening to listening to Queen, and then strangely, my my mum sort of when she was when she was was with us, absolutely loved ABBA. So I've just got massive memories of listening to ABBA, which is random, and it's weird because like my youngest daughter now, who is sixteen, absolutely loves them as well. So I don't quite understand how that works, and she just waltzes around the household singing ABBA songs and it's it's weird so I think it's that Mamma Mia sort of phase as such so so I, I don't know but it, very eclectic I mean I could go from Guns N' Roses to Metallica to Queen to Simon Garfunkel to Billy Joel to you know Al Green literally like spectrum to spectrum just if I like a song I like a song I'm not one of these that it, it was a wasn't a massive until I met Adam wasn't a massive particularly massive indie fan but I think through being being mates with with Beans I think he got me listening to a little bit more indie, I suppose your Manchester, Liverpool indie vibe. And Adam obviously will talk a lot about that in a minute because I suppose he's going to talk about a lot about those, those, those bands. But yeah, um, I, I don't suppose I have a taste in, well, Adam will say it's tasteless, <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't suppose I have, a, I have a taste in music. I just like songs, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does. It does make sense. And I kind of get where you're coming from. I'm a little bit that way myself, but no. I, you know, I, I listen to the Beatles, huge fan of the Beatles, still love the Beatles now. But yeah, the Man, the Manchester indie scene, and I guess it's probably one of those things that maybe Bo and Kevin will have experienced themselves. When you, you hit a certain age, it's the music at that time that helps define your childhood a little bit. It becomes the soundtrack to your teenage years and what have you. And we were very, very fortunate growing up to have the Manchester music scene happening literally on our doorstep. We're not a million miles from Manchester, so local bands, bands like the Charlatans, which are originally from Northwich, which is just up the road from us. That was the first band I ever went to see. They were fantastic. Not a very big gig at all in Vicky Hall in Hanley. But yeah, absolutely blew my mind. Then on the likes of Happy Mondays, Stone Roses in Spiral Cop, which which might not mean a lot to our American guests who are listening there. And then obviously Morrissey, who I've seen in concert, many 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 times and he's touring again and i'm just dropping subtle hints to the wife that i might be buying some more tickets very very soon to go see even though it was only sort of september last year that i went to see him up in the heartland of blackpool (laughs) 
So here's a question then for you guys before before we get going, because guys mentioned Queen. Now, Queen are a huge band. You guys will be familiar with Queen. So outside of the US, Queen own all the rights to their own music. In the US, that's a different story. Do you know who owns the rights to Queen music in the US? My first guess would be Michael Jackson, because he owns everybody's catalog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's not Michael Jackson. I think he owns the Beatles, though, doesn't he? Hey, do I, was, I was literally just going to say, I think he owns the Beatles. Yeah. And actually, mm. I thought it was, I'm with you, Kevin, I thought it was Michael Jackson. Yeah. But, I, I, but I do know, obviously, I know that he owns the Beatles back catalog and stuff. So, yeah. No, it wasn't. What did you say? Sorry, Bo. Oh, no, I was, I was going to say Michael Jackson. I, my guess is going to be Joe Biden. <laughs> 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 And if he did, he wouldn't know anything about it. He this. wouldn't know. <laughs> well, funnily enough, actually, see, you all mentioned Michael Jackson. It isn't, but it is It is another guy who's famous for theme parks. Obviously, he had Neverland, so Walt Disney. Disney. Really? Yeah, Disney owned the right to Queen music. Is that, is that a bit weird? Wow. Yeah. That's you know. weird. Yeah. yeah I don't, mm. How do you even get in that? I mean, I, you know, I don't well, know. I know how Michael Jackson got into it. When him and Paul McCartney were hanging out in the early 80s doing their covers, the first thing Paul did was advise Michael to go out and buy music catalogs because, you know, they, especially, you know, for songs like the Beatles, they, they had live in infamy, as it were, you know, they're going to be around forever. And he, Michael Jackson, out, actually outbid Paul McCartney for the Beatles catalog. Wow. Which, which ended their friendship. Yeah, can, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can see how that might might work. Yeah. So, so we're going to do an episode that uncovers, specifically, hopefully, uncovers that are better than the original. Now, so before we do, you know me, I love my questions on here. What do you think is the most? And there's a couple of answers to this actually, because it's it's subjective. Which do you think is the most covered song of all time? Oh, crikey! I'm going to yeah. guess it's probably a Beatles song. You'd be guessing correct. Probably incorrect. No, you 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 no, correct. It, it is the Beatles. Oh, correct. Okay. Okay. Let it be. No. You need to think yeah. a little bit more. A little bit more past tense. Oh but, yeah, I've got it. Yeah, I've got it. If that was a clue. It was. was. A clue. Yeah. Yes. Yesterday. It is. Ah. <laughs> yeah, yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday has been covered two thousand two hundred times. Wow. Officially. So, like, yeah. you can go and purchase 2,200 different versions yeah, of yeah. that song. Yeah, I'm not talking about, like, us spelling it out on karaoke and the <laughs> plow back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Which nobody will pay money to listen to. Not, not if they've got any sense. <laughs> <laughs> Unless they want to keep the birds off the lawn. <laughs> or off themselves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so, and so that has earned... Not so much Paul McCartney as we've just heard, but Michael Jackson, I think, thirty million pounds in royalties. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. So who wants to go first? And I'll chuck some questions in along the way, don't you worry. Kevin, you're our guest. Tell us a little bit about a cover song that you enjoy the cover of more than the original. Again, with with my taste and and we're talking about popular music. In country music back in the fifties, sixties, and seventies. If you belong to a record label, you covered everybody else's songs on that record label. So that's how they kept the songwriters employed and kept paying their higher artists who were writing their own music. So to go to pop music, I would guess one of my favorites is Respect 
by uh, Aretha Franklin. But the original was done by Otis Redding, which you can still find. But it sounds way different than than yeah. Aretha's, and Aretha does a much much better job. Yes, she. I mean, she is famous for that song, isn't she? When you think of Aretha Franklin, that's literally one of the first songs that comes to mind. Yeah, so, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, when I was looking into this, I had no idea that that wasn't her who sang that originally. Did you know that, Gaza? I did know that actually. Uh, that's but I, and I'm with Kevin. I, I I have heard both versions and much 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 prefer the, the Aretha Franklin version. Just it, it's just synonymous with her, isn't it? That you, you say Aretha Franklin and, and that's what you think. But yeah, I, I did know that actually. There you go. There you go. There's a question then. Here's a question. So so you've mentioned one there, and you said it's very different. When you hear a cover version, do you prefer the ones that almost do a take for take, just add their own voice? Or do you like it when people do something a little bit different with it? Different. It depends on how different. Yeah, okay. To me, I'm much more, most of the time, I prefer original versions. But, you know, another song that pops to mind is, you know, it's going to probably make you, you English guys a little upset. But uh, The Kinks, You Really Got Me, was covered by Van Halen. And I like the Van Halen version much better than the Kinks, though I don't dislike the Kinks version. So, but that's me. It really know. depends. I don't know if I've ever heard that. Really? Yeah. No. I I know I know I mean I know the original obviously, but yeah, I I don't think I've heard the cover. No, I think I'm when I say change, I I, I like to see what because to me I think. Music is very subjective, so I like to see how artists interpret the lyrics and maybe if they change it up a little bit, how that then might change the meaning of the song because they might emphasise certain bits or certain lyrics. Up. So I, I quite like the creativity of them changing it up. However, in a way, Kevin, I, I sort of agree with you as well. You know, I think somebody, if you pay homage to somebody and somebody does a cover and the original is so good that actually it doesn't need changing and it's just right. you just rebranded it maybe for a newer generation that maybe haven't heard the song or and, and you just bring it into a newer generation i mean so many times that you know you hear a song and and, and my kids are like oh i love this song so yeah, yeah i remember the original like no way that's not covers like yeah it is because you don't you know from years and years and years gone by and right but i think for me whether it's whether it's not obviously not the lyrics. Although here's a question for you: Do you have to change one lyric if you're making a cover? Is that is that the law or not? Because pretty much every single cover that you can think of, at least one word is changed. So it might be instead of saying he, you say she if it's a female recording or a male recording, or instead of saying boy, you say girl or them or they. Or I'm sure that in it pretty much in every single cover, there's at least and I might have made that up. And I don't know, but but I'm sure you have to change at least <laughs> one word. I I don't think I, I couldn't. No. I, I couldn't tell you. I, yeah. I don't I don't think it's the case. So if you head along to the Henry Fox Agency, sorry, I say Henry Harry Fox Agency. Those are the people who owe, and they will put you in touch with the people who you buy your music rights from. And it depends which country you're in as how much it's going to cost you. So in the states, the average is nine point one cents for every copy sold 
in England, the GU is we like to make a little bit more money out of it because we like to tax people to hell and back. And it's 10 to 15% in the UK. But once you have paid those rights, you can do whatever the heck you like with it as long as you contribute any money that you've made. Interesting enough, actually, if you were to stick it on YouTube, so say uh, tonight Gaz goes away and records bohemian rhapsody in the back of his car like, like oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. i'm buying just, it just like wayne's world <laughs> i'd like to know what that cost him to do that actually but he could stick that on youtube and actually he doesn't have to pay one cent towards it but basically any money that he makes off of the back of that will go straight to them they'll put a copyright claim in it and he doesn't get to make any more money off of it so that's that's roughly how it works in that respect so what about yourself bo do you, do you like it when it, they do something a little bit different or do you like it just to be you know you, you love the you love the song you love the tune let's just stick mm-hmm. with that and see how it goes yeah so a lot a lot of the times you remember we were talking about movies before if i hadn't seen the original i didn't have an opinion so a lot of times i don't know that it's a remake because I'm not a musical savant like Kevin. So <laughs> I, I just don't know those things. But story I got, uh, you know, because I played in the band for a while. The lead singer of the band, one of my good friends says, hey, we're going to play, uh, we're going to play Tennessee Whiskey. And I'm like, cool, let's, let's, let's do it. Right. And uh, so we started playing. I went, what are we playing? And he goes, <laughs> Tennessee Whiskey. And I went, no. And I played it on my phone. He goes, no, no, no we're playing the George Jones version not the Chris Stapleton version that everybody fell in love with. I didn't know there was another one. Had no idea. So we were playing like the old country version. And then we switched over to the new one. And he just slowed it down. He blues it up. It doesn't even sound like the same song. I think Kevin has a story about listening to it for the first time. And he was like, how do I know these words? <laughs> right? Like, because yeah. they're words to a song that he knew, but he couldn't, he couldn't figure out why he knew them. Till we got to the chorus. Right. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's one of the ones that, that really kind of threw me back a little bit, but I do like the Chris Stapleton version. I, I don't like it really when they change them up too much. I have heard several people change because I know a lot of the words and they change the, the words in it or whatever, but it, I don't think it changes the meaning of the song for the most part. I can give you another example real quick. All along yeah. the watchtower. Yes. Yeah. Bob Bob Dylan wrote it and sang it, and then Jimi Hendrix did it. Yeah. So you're talking worlds apart difference in variations on the song. So yeah. Bob Dylan, I, I you know you have to pay that respect to who he was and where he came from, especially when he first went electric. But you know I'm not a huge fan of his, but I do like the covers that Jimi Hendrix has done. And everybody else, I think everything he ever wrote has been covered four or five hundred times. <laughs> yeah. You might be right. You might be right. Hey, interesting. If that that is for me, it's one of those covers that I noted down that I absolutely love. I I do quite like Bob Dylan to be honest. You know, I've got nothing against the original. However, that Jimi Hendrix version is just nothing compares to it. It's absolutely yeah. phenomenal. It blows you out. The, the guitar work in it is in itself, as you'd expect with Jimi Hendrix, is absolutely beautiful in that record. And yeah, it, it, it makes it absolutely, absolutely his own. It is one of my it is one of my favorite records anyway. But interestingly enough, and it's funny you mentioned that one. The first version I ever heard of that was I heard the Jimi Hendrix one before I ever heard. The Bob Dylan one. What, what about you guys? Same thing. I like to, 
I've always liked to see where music comes from. So, and again, being in the military, like I was, I had the DJ in my room. I had another guy who was in to the psychedelic furs and the Smiths and the Bodines and those guys, you know, then, you know, it was the same time in the late eighties where you had the second English invasion, you know, pet shop boys and soft cell and those groups coming over Kajagugu. And so I had a whole room full of music that I was being introduced to at the same time. So when you had these kind of conversations, you always, Oh, you didn't know Jimi Hendrix didn't do all along the watchtower first. Oh, let me let me hook you up with this Bob Dylan version. Yeah. So yeah. I got to learn a lot about what I what I like and the different versions of songs and all just through that experience. Do, do you think that uh, I suspect depending on which version is the first that you hear, that's the one that you prefer? So if you were to hear the Bob Dylan version and then the Jimi Hendrix, and I know Adam said he loves the Jimi Hendrix, and I prefer the Jimi Hendrix version as well because it, it's a phenomenal cover. But I wonder whether or not the majority of people will say it's actually the, the, the version they heard first as opposed to the, the original. Whereas if you heard the original and then somebody covers it, you go, yeah, it's not quite as good, though. And I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I don't know. I mean, the Jimi Hendrix one is the, the exception, possibly, because that is better than the original. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that, really. But. Oh, I think you might be right there. No, it's interesting. I think I think you might be on the money there because when you hear a song and you love it, you you know you get accustomed to it, and then you hear the the, the original version because this is a cover that you've heard the first time around. You don't always know that, and almost it doesn't sound quite right to you. You yeah, know what I mean? It doesn't so sound quite right. Maybe maybe there's a different note that you know the cover hits, and you, you're like, oh, that's amazing. And then you go back to the original side. Well, they don't quite hit that note, and they hit something else. That like, it just doesn't quite sound the same. And I wonder whether you are influenced as to which one you've heard first. Maybe I don't know. No, you could be right. Like Bo and his Tennessee whiskey there. You know what I mean? He heard the, you know, the the version he was listening to. Were you, was it the original you were listening to or was it cover that you were listening to? No, no. I was listening to the cover uh, and by Chris Stapleton. And uh, if you if if you Google Tennessee whiskey and you, and you play it and you play the George Jones version first and then play the Chris Stapleton, you'll be like, is this the same song? Yeah. Because all the word, yeah, write it down. I'm writing it down. <laughs> write it down. So is this the same song? Because he slowed it down and blues it up, and you wouldn't even think that it was even the same thing. Wow. That's cool. That's cool. I'll tell you what, then. While we're talking Bob Dylan covers, then, we'll ask guys, because you mentioned Guns N' Roses. I don't mind a bit of Guns N' Roses myself. And, Bo, you guessed it on an episode that we did about Guns N' Roses. Knocking on yeah. Evans' door, then, Gazza. Yeah, decent. And, and, and that falls into the... You know, am I a massive Guns N' Roses per se fan? Maybe I'm. Do I like? Maybe not. Do I like three or four of their albums? Yeah. So you know, Usual Illusion, One, Two, Appetite for Destruction. Just, you know, I've said it before. Spaghetti Incident should never have even been like written. It's horrendous. But I don't know. Oh, it's a tough. It's a tough shot. That is. Maybe the Bob Dylan. Maybe. Interesting. Interesting. So yeah. that's from, yeah, that was from a film. That was from Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, wasn't it? You, the Sam Peck and Power film. It's a gem of a tune, but I prefer the Guns N' Roses version. I've got to tell you, I, you know, I just, and it probably goes back to when he, did he do it for the Freddie Mercury gig? Was that where, where I heard um, it? Could have been. Could have, yeah, the tribute well, could have been. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, the live version that he did there is it is fantastic. But when you mention Spaghetti Incident, Gaz, saying it should never have been written, well, it was written way, way, way before Guns N' Roses ever did it because that's an album full of covers. Well, yeah, but <laughs> they, they they shouldn't have. Yeah, they, should, they shouldn't have done it. <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't have done it. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Well, I, I so, to... what, what about you guys then? So, sorry, Bo and Kevin, what were you? What are you on the, the knocking on heaven's door? Then are you the, are you the original the Bob Dylan or are you the Guns N' Roses version? I could see Kevin's face. Go ahead. <laughs> just, I'm not a huge Axl Rose fan. I don't think he can carry a note in a bucket. Um, <laughs> I just don't. He uh, and if he says "Hey, hey, hey, hey" four or five thousand times in that song, it just yeah, I, I'm not a fan. I'd much rather listen to Bob Dylan sing the phone book than Axl Rose sing anything. <laughs> <laughs> I like Kevin. Don't shut the fence. Just, just jump right in. I like that. Yeah, he didn't, didn't leave us in any doubt, that did he? <laughs> yeah, didn't leave us wondering, did he? Just straight in there, yeah. That's Rose is full of shit. Shouldn't have it. Yeah, I, mean, I like it. It's good. I'm not even going to answer. We're going to we're going to skip subjects right after that one. That was a mic drop. Yeah, it was. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. So, so I'll throw it back. I'll just, Adam, I'll just throw it back at you. Sorry, I'm just because obviously oh. we mentioned one that is there in terms of a cover that you feel is better than the original. Because obviously you, you threw it out there to sort of Kevin and to Bo initially. So I'll throw it back to you. Is the is there a song that you feel as though the cover is massively better than the original, or one that you got on your list or anything like that? Yeah, there is. I'm like I say, funnily enough, Jimi Hendrix was on there. But there's another one, like I said at the very out, uh, the, the start of this episode. I love the Beatles. You know, there's few, you know, few bands I can I can listen to more than the Beatles. I have the Beatles on a lot at home. At home, sorry, I have my kids listening to it because you know it's a great part of English heritage as well. With it, we're recording this on St George's Day, you know, it's a great part of English music and, and how they change the face of music itself. And one of the most famous albums they recorded, obviously, Sgt Pepper's, and on there with a little help from my friends, which is obviously sung by Ringo, which is nobody's favorite Beatle. God bless him, but. <laughs> Joe, Joe, Joe Cocker covered that song and he made that his own and that for me is far far superior to the Beatles version don't get me wrong musically the, the Beatles version is okay but Joe Cocker's version you would think that that was Joe Cocker's song I don't know if are you guys are familiar with that version mm-hmm. yeah what, what, what are your thoughts on it am I alone on this one uh, I, Joe Cocker does do an amazing version I don't know I, I'm, I'm going to be completely opposite to Kevin. I'm going to sit on the fence on this one, so I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not 100 yeah. percent sure. I, I, it, it's hard for me to to, to decide because then you say, "No, the Beatles were." Oh, I know Joe Cocker's was really good, but then it's the so I, I'm I'm straight down the fence there. I can't make my mind up on that one. Wow, well, not expected. Kevin, you must have an opinion. I, I'm I'm with him. I'm right on the I'm right on the fence. It's not one of my favorite songs, regardless. So, oh. you know. Both of them, I think, did a, an adequate job with the with the song. Yeah. Fair play, fair play. Here's a question then for you, then. So we talked about the most covered song, but actually, what is the most expensive rights? What's the most anybody's ever paid for a song, do you think? Just one song. What's the most expensive song in terms of rights? Mm-hmm. Well, in terms of sort of wanting to cover it and... Yeah, so if you were to cover it, more really, because I don't, th- I don't suppose too many people have recorded a version of it, but it's more used in movies. Are you, are you talking about the cost to, to just use the song or the total cost and using how much it made? 
so the yeah you, you see you've uncovered my little scam here kevin yeah so yeah it is it's the total cost that this this recoups on an annual basis and actually warner chapel who bought the rights to this uh, way back in i think 2010 was the last time i changed them paid 15 million dollars for the rights for this one song i'm gonna shoot shot shot in the dark go ahead uh, i will always love you no, 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 no. Well, there, there you go. So, what, just Houston. while we're on that, then, Dolly Parton or Whitney Houston? Which, which one, then? Mm-hmm. Which version? Which do you prefer? Dolly. Mm. They're almost I'm going to say the most expensive songs. song. The most expensive song ever is going to be "Happy Birthday." Dude, dude, you've nailed it. You absolutely. Honestly, is you that right? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, two million dollars a year that brings in, because it's used in so many films and wow. TV shows. I, my next clue is going to be: I guarantee somebody sang this to you, but I, I was a bit worried when Kevin said, "I will always love you." Who knows who sung that to me? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so yeah. we're going about the Happy Birthday, or we're going about the Stevie Wonder version, or not, and, you know, which, which one are we are we talking about? The one, the one that you will have sung many, many times. The one you'll have right. sung to you at least fifty times on the seventh of July this year. <laughs> okay, it makes sense. It's bizarre, it though, isn't it? Really, it when you think bizarre. about it, yeah, it was yeah. just, it was made up. It was made up by, I think, like nursery school teachers. Mm. So they had sort of a way of celebrating. It was that they could celebrate with everybody when it was when it was the kids' birthday. And it's just gone on from there, you know. So it's, I think it was I can't remember it was nineteen twelve or nineteen twenty two. It's been knocking around since. Well, that's utterly utterly bizarre. Wow. Yeah. Wouldn't expect that. I just remember someone saying that it was like that's a song that's around the world, and you know, I didn't know anybody actually owned the rights to it. No. Because how exactly could they collect other than it's being in a movie, right? So I sing it, Kevin sings it. They're not yeah. getting anything off of us. Imagine if they could. Well, yeah, well, yeah. I, I have a feeling. Well, I'd quit singing it. Yeah, I, I, I would. I'd have a feeling Warner Chapel would give us money to stop singing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe you, but you know. No, no, I don't no, know. Maybe about it. I'm feeling pretty yeah. good after a random karaoke night last night. Oh, you did, yeah. You sent me some pictures by what a karaoke night in uh, in Texas. You missed yeah, out on that one, Kevin. Right, twenty four hours. Not, <laughs> not quite twenty four hours, but we we played since our last Super League Darts fixture on Thursday, our last home fixture of the season. Um, so we had a random bit of an impromptu karaoke, and I haven't sang karaoke for absolutely donkey's years because I can't sing. So <laughs> that's probably why. But I ended up singing Kenny Rogers and the Gambler. So that was the song that I actually oh. that was the song that I actually sang on, which is one of my favourite songs, to be fair. So I ended up singing. I think there's a video going on somewhere, not to be shared. A with beans and B on this podcast. Because <laughs> if I get hold of it, it will. Because be if you get hold of it, Christ knows where it'll end up. <laughs> I'll have a word with Chris Pye. I'm sure he'll sort me out. He probably, he probably would as well, yeah. <laughs> so then, guys, it was it was gives another example of a, of a cover that they've either loved. Or absolutely hated, or that somebody's changed the context of it entirely. Who wants to chuck one out there? I, I, I've got. It might not be. It might not mean that much to Bo or Kevin, but the, the Amy Winehouse Valerie is much, much, much better than the the Zootons, the original. So the Amy Winehouse Mark Ronson collaboration is streets ahead of of, of the original version. And I don't know whether you guys over in the states are familiar with that, but. 
beans is sort of nodding, so I'm assuming. You, do you agree with that? Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Right. Yeah. Do you, you guys familiar with that song? I'm vaguely familiar with Amy Winehouse. Heard her song was it Rehab? Yeah, several several times, but uh, the rest of her her catalog I'm not that familiar with. Right. Yeah. She 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 did it. Other than Rehab, I suppose it possibly is her most famous song, and that was a cover. The, the original band was a was a group called the Zootons, and it, it the the original's okay, but again, Amy Winehouse and Mark Ronson changed it up a little bit, and and it, it just sounded like so much better. Like, actually, that song is probably synonymous with her now, as opposed to the Zootons, I suspect. But yeah. yeah, I would say so. And and this is this is the interesting thing having you two guys on there because growing up in the UK, we listened to a lot of American music growing up as well. You know, Tina Turner, Bruce Springsteen, the likes of that sort of growing up. But I thought it'd be very interesting to get you guys on when we talked about this because you know when we're talking about a song like that, which is absolutely huge over here, and I could sort of tell by the expressions on your faces that it didn't mean an awful lot to you. And I find the juxtaposition between that quite interesting as well, despite the fact that we think that the the two countries aren't that dissimilar. Actually, there, there is a great disparity, especially when it comes to music taste. Like I say, it blew my mind when Bo was putting these tunes on from Texas artists that I'd never heard of that had millions and millions of views. So go on, guys. Chuck one out there that we may not have heard of, but we should definitely go and seek out if it's a cover. Well, here's one for you. You were talking about changing words and meanings of songs. Hound Dog, that was recorded by Elvis was originally done by Big Mama Thornton. And it was a blues version from the 50s. And if you listen to her version, her version, she's talking to her husband or her man and telling him, why are you sneaking around my house after staying out all night and carousing and all these other things? And Elvis appears to be actually singing about a dog. So it's... Two completely different versions of the song, different words, different meanings. You can you can see where Elvis's version came from, but it's nothing like the original. Wow, I'm gonna have to root that one out. I've never heard of that song. I, I kind of guess that I, mean, I know Elvis did do a lot of covers in his early days as well. So you know, like you say, a lot of those people when they were recording in Tennessee, they did you know they recorded everybody else's songs, didn't they? So, yeah, I did wonder, but wow, no, I never knew that. I never knew that. Just well, go on. Go on. Sorry. Colonel, Colonel, Colonel Tom Parker, who was Elvis's manager, wouldn't let him record a song he didn't own. I Will Always Love You by Dolly Parton. They approached Dolly about buying the song, and she was like, I don't sell my songs. And they said, well, Elvis won't sing it if you won't sell it. And she said, well, I'm sorry, but I'm not selling my song. So... Uh. Oh, I'd love to hear Elvis sing that as well. Mm. Well, well, you can't now. But... <laughs> <laughs> or can we? Who knows? <laughs> yeah, because uh... Kirsty McCall sang a song like uh, Elvis being a milkman down her street. Because you know, there's always the there's always the rumors that he didn't pass away in '77 that he he lived on. Have you ever seen the uh, the Bruce Campbell movie Bubba Hotep? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Don't watch it, folks. <laughs> no, actually, it's quite good, but it, it, I don't believe it to be factual. So just just before we move on to yourself, but here's a question, because Gaz mentioned it at the start there about Freddie Mercury 
being the 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 greatest frontman of all time. I'd just be interested to get you two guys taking it, especially given the fact that I know you both spent a lot of time in Mississippi, and obviously Elvis was from Tupelo, which obviously not too far away from 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 Nelson Bo. So yeah, I'd be interested mm-hmm. in your take on who you think is the greatest frontman of all time. So yeah, frontman. I don't tough. know if I have a favorite. Yeah, it's tough. I don't know if I have a favorite, but for the most part. I think that America has very good frontmen and the UK has very good bands. I think it's I think it's different. I think the band together in the UK is better. We we in America will get somebody who knows how to do something sing and you know and then they'll just put a band around them and nobody knows who the band is. No one gives a shit. <laughs> you know, it's always about the dude in the but when you're talking about the UK, you know who the drummer is, you know who the bassist is. You, they get together and they all kind of do the band thing together and you know who they are. And they're always part of the writing and all that kind of stuff. Most of the bands in America are just put together. Hey, this guy plays a you know mean steel guitar, throw him in there. But they're just, they're just band members. And the guy in the front is actually the, the guy. It's interesting that, but I think a lot of the, and this is interesting with Queen as well, because although you do know sort of Brian May, John Deacon, and Roger Taylor, is that the other yeah. one? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, I mean, famous in their own right, but sort of wallflowers in, compar- in comparison with Freddie Mercury putting himself out there. From Brian May, very introverted character. John Deacon, very, very, very quiet individual. Roger Taylor looked strangely good in the dress <laughs> in the video that he did. You I want to break free. One, <laughs> yeah, oh, dear. yeah, that's going to be snipped out for that podcast. So yeah, but but it's interesting, though, isn't it? Yeah. So what were you going to say, Kevin, in terms of the front man? My you... uh, my favorite front man is Paul Rogers. Love to hear that man sing when he was with Bad Company and was it Free before that? Yeah. Uh, did a fantastic job. He's got such a great voice. I was disappointed, you know, in the the early 90s or late 80s, early 90s, when Bad Company reformed with a different singer. And I can't even tell you who that was. (laughs) I mean, the music was okay, but, you know, it's hard to replace a voice like Paul Rogers. Did he, did he from Queen? I I mean, obviously, when when Queen reformed and then toured, did he, did he from them? Because obviously Adam Lambert is doing it now. He did. I'm sure he did. I'm sure he fronted some for Queen as well, yeah. He, he did, yeah, and I, I say myself, I love Free. You know, listen, listen to that sort of growing up. I love that band. My brother Jake is absolutely one of my favourite songs of all time. You know, I've got a little lad called Jacob, and he has a sister, so it is a, a brother Jake, and I quite like that little connection there between the two of them. But yeah, I totally agree. That's an interesting one. I said, didn't expect you to say that. Didn't expect you to say Axl Rose after what you said about him. Really. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, in terms of frontman. <laughs> There's more, there's more to a frontman though, than just the ability to sing. Like, yeah. do I think Axl Rose has the charisma and everything else? Absolutely. I just don't think he can sing. David Lee Roth, with, who played with Van Halen for years, I don't think was a good singer. Sammy Hagar was three times a singer, yeah. but Sammy wasn't the showman that Dave was. So yeah. I, I think you get a little bit of that. I, I, but I do agree, you know, with Queen. He was a full package. He was everything. The guy could sing. He was a good leader, good showmanship, stage presence. He did it all. Yeah. 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 I, th- I think, I mean, I think 
uh, I mean, I, I love Queen, and I think w when they did the, the the Live Aid concert, you know, even for non-Queen fans, that 15 minutes, whatever he had, 20 minute segment was, he literally had the whole of the audience just eating out of the palm of his hand, and he, and he played them, and he goes through his little riffs and his runs, and they, but and and for the whole of that that set, it was just a, a phenomenal sort of 20 minutes and, and he literally he played them like a maestro you know and it, and it was just a, a I suppose a defining moment really and obviously all the there were loads of Queen fans have said see told you sort of thing that's what he is but I think that drew quite a lot of new Queen fans that then went back and started listening to the old back catalogues and, and that sort of stuff because you listen to some of the older stuff and it is it is fantastic like some of the stuff I say slightly lesser known tracks but you know just just brilliant brilliant albums really well crafted don't get me wrong there's a couple of absolute turkeys in that sort of thing but you know generally speaking you know the really well crafted albums so yeah i i i thought freddie mercury was brilliant absolutely brilliant yeah he was definitely definitely a character i'm going to talk about you there just quickly just because it ties in very very closely with what kevin said so kevin mentioned the the big mama thornton song there that, that uh, it was totally changed in context so Cindy Lauper, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. You all heard of that song then, yeah? Mm -hmm. Did you know it was a cover? I did. I can't I can't put my neck, my finger on the who sang it first. Yeah, it's interesting. It might be a little bit more known in the States than it is in the UK. It's a guy by the name of Robert Hazard sang it first. And it wasn't hugely different. It had that 80s pop feel to it. But it sang in an entirely different context so obviously cindy lauper took it made her own about girls having fun or actually it was sung by a dude who was just singing to his dad and his mum while he'd been out all night well hey girls just want to have fun that's why i ain't been home and that blew my mind actually because when I, li I listened to it and it's, it's a bloody awful version if i'm really honest it ain't a good song by any stretch of the imagination but it's, it's a totally different context and listen to that song in my mind, it only ever had one context, so I found that was I thought it was quite interesting. Same, interestingly enough, as Hound Dog, you know, when, when you look at it in that yeah. respect, yeah. One of my other favorite uh, covers that I like is Proud Mary, because mm -hmm. CCR and then Ike and Tina Turner, Ooh. their version, it's night and day, you know. Even the beginning when it starts off slow for Ike and Tina yeah. Turner, and then yeah. goes into a super sped up version, is still good. I like them both equally. I like everything CCR ever did. Yeah, um, excellent band. I, I I don't I don't profess to know the original. The, the Ike and Tina Turner version is a great track. It just mm -hmm. the way that, as you said, the, the way that it builds through the track and it starts off really slow and 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 you can feel like, and particularly Tina Turner who was just this explosion of energy and stuff but you could tell that as the song builds she almost can't wait for for that explosion and then for it to then and you start you know throw down some stuff and it, it was it was yeah that, that that's it is a, it's a good shout i mean i don't know the original i, I, I i'll be honest I, but the i can see the turning yeah, it's a de decent song decent track definitely yeah, funnily enough, I'm not familiar with it. I love Creedence Clearwater Revival. I heard a lot of their stuff, probably, you know, obviously not nearly as much as yourself. And when I think of them, I always think of Bad Moon Rising. You know, that for yeah. me, I, I love that tune. Can you imagine anybody covering that? Can you imagine Axel belting that one out? No. God. 
Stop giving him ideas. <laughs> Actually, you're listening. Hands off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. was I was absolutely appalled when he started singing lead for ACDC. Uh, I, I'm like, that's Brian Johnson. You you can't replace Brian Johnson with with this guy. You know, they might as well have gotten Av- what his name Adam Levine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was. Yeah. So, here's an interesting one because. Uh, and I hadn't heard it, and, and it, it sounds really cheesy, but it's it sort of in context. So Bruce Springsteen, it, and there, there was a guy, and he was on, he was on like it was a talent show or whatever it was, and 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 he did a really really stripped back, slow acoustic version of Dancing in the Dark, and it and it blew my mind, and I hadn't heard it sang that way at all, and it literally is like just completely stripped back, and it's really slow, and. And I remember listening to it, and and it, it, I'll have a little search for it in a minute, and if I can find the name. But I mean, if you search for it, there's lots of other people done acoustic versions. But it's the first time I'd heard it done in that way, and it was a proper sort of goosey moment. I, I, I'd listened to it, and I was like, "That's like," and it's this quite like, softly, soft male singing voice, and he's just there, and he's just got just a guitar, and it and it's stripped back, and it's like, "Wow!" Like, in, like incredible almost, and. That was like goosey, and, and I don't mind some of Bruce Springsteen's. My, my wife hates Bruce Springsteen. Says he's got the most monotone voice out there and just can't sing at all. Similar to suppose what you're saying, Kevin, about Axl Rose. My wife thinks Bruce Springsteen can't sing, can't hold a note, tone deaf, hates him. I actually don't mind him, but yeah, that that stripped back, real slow acoustic version is is it's a great great cover. For me, Bruce Springsteen did one of the best Super Bowl halftime shows I've ever seen. Man, I, I, I struggled, you know, I think The Who did it the following year, and it was pretty good if it wasn't for basically, they did basically every tune that you used at the start of CSI, which was unfortunate. But, <laughs> but they've done some great tunes. It's just, just sold out, unfortunately, with where they've been used since. But no, man, Bruce Springsteen at halftime, I, I didn't want that. I didn't want, I forget the two teams who were playing. I didn't want to come back out to hear more of that. They were phenomenal. Yeah, I, I think I think he, I think he's decent, and this guy that played Darcy who literally adores the guy, like can't a bit like you, Morrissey. Literally, he's like just loves the guy. Gone through that whole sort of double denim look sort of thing and all of that, and just literally like idols the ground. He, he walks on sort of thing. So yeah, and I'm not quite to that extent, but I I don't, I don't mind it. <laughs> Interesting. I'm actually a little confused though, Beans. I'm a little confused. Because, you know, you talk about a whole lot about all these bands and all these people that you like. But when I was there, I didn't hear anything but Morrissey. I wow. thought he was the only person that was singing in the UK at the time. Because <laughs> you didn't play another person the whole time I was there. I don't remember another song. from. Then again, I was drinking heavily. So, but why, <laughs> yeah. but why do you think I'm now podcast from home and I don't go to beach? Because I am sick to the back teeth of Morrissey. Literally, like I don't put him on and I don't hear him. I open my window and he's got Morrissey blasting oh out, God. and it's there like, you. Oh yeah, God. you see, yeah, just and, and and for me, he's one of the most morose individuals. <laughs> he's just dirge, <laughs> but Adam loves him, and and we have this regular, probably weekly argument as <laughs> is he decent, is he not? So it's one of those. Yeah, we we actually named our female cat Morrissey because it was different. <laughs> Yeah, which just recently gave birth. 
the cat, not Morrissey, just to be clear. <laughs> right. There's there's some other Morrisseys out there. Yeah. But it, what was funny was I was when I Kevin was over, I said, like, hey, there's Morrissey right there. And he's like, I'm surprised you know who that is. And I was like, what's well, my cousin's, you know, favorite singer? He's like, well, I mean, I know they're part of the Smiths. And I was like, holy shit. Like, you already know 100% more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite album, Strange Ways, Here We Come. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Girlfriend yeah. So, in a Coma. Come on. Who doesn't yeah. like that? Exactly, exactly. It is, I tell you what, if, if anybody out there is not listening, yeah, he, doesn't, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. But. And interestingly enough, so the room that Bo stayed in when he stayed here, there is a framed version of that on the wall, and it's been signed by the by every member of the Smiths as well. That is my pride possession, which I keep away from Gary just in case he trashes it. <laughs> Adds a fifth signature. <laughs> No, it's, it's it's funny you say that. So when you, I was going to come on to a little bit actually, so so it seems appropriate to talk about it now. So when you have an artist that you absolutely love and admire, and I do, is you know, it's I know Gaz takes the Mickey and Bo does take the Mickey as well. I love Morrissey. Do you know what I mean? He's he's somebody who's he's literally his music sings to me. He, I think he has an absolutely fantastic voice, a beautiful lyricist, quite a showman in his own way, but. Theatrical, I think, was the way that Bo described it. It was probably the politest way of putting it. And I love it. I love seeing him live. I love going and see not just what he has to say with his music, but the little bits that he puts in between and what he has to say. Phenomenal. It is a, a truly, truly unique experience seeing Morrissey in concert. However, when I hear songs covered that he sang and he wrote, I, I, there's very, very few that I can, I, I don't switch off. Instant, in, interesting enough, so Gaz mentioned Mark Ronson. So Mark Ronson did an album of covers and with, with people guesting on it. I don't know who sang the version on that, but stop me if, if you've heard this one before, was a Morrissey song which features on there, or a Smith song, sorry, that features on there. And I don't mind that one, you know. So there's a few that I don't mind. There's like, interesting enough, like Spanish versions of it there's quite a few of those he's very big in the hispanic community and there's there's a band called mex who do his music to mariachi music you know <laughs> i tell you they're really good they're really good but do you find that if you have one artist that you absolutely love and admire gas say for example queen covers of queen songs love or hate yeah hate really it's just not the same is it that, that's the that's the problem i think and, and in a way, that's why I don't mind covers, because I suppose other than Queen, you know, I, I, I like lots of different types of music and genres. If there's a cover, it's like, OK, fair enough. But for me, yeah, like covers of Queen songs. I mean, you, you saw some of them in the Freddie Mercury tribute concert. And I know they were doing it because they were paying tribute to him and stuff. But some of those are God, that awful, you know, and, and, and you're just like, it just doesn't sit right. I suppose it's the same with you and Morrissey, as you said, Smith sort of thing. It just doesn't sit, doesn't sit right. But then you, you'd get, you know, you, you'd get Billy Joel fans, or you'd get uh, Kenny Rogers fans, or you get, and they'll, they'll turn around and go, "No, you should never cover one of them." And and it's just what you like, I suppose, isn't it? And if you have that one defining artist that you absolutely love, then to you they're on that pedestal, and nobody can touch them, and therefore nobody should ever cover one of their songs because it's just sacrilege to do so because you'll never do it justice do you know what i mean 
indeed what about you two guys if, if you got any any artist that you just think no he should not be covering that kevin guns and roses <laughs> should never have existed in the first place, <laughs> <think that>. yeah <laughs> right yeah that and that was a don't know if you guys know this but tracy guns who had la guns back in the 80s it was la gun tracy guns and um and Excellent. uh yes yeah, they got together to create guns and roses yeah. and then he ended up going his own way but yeah they should have never existed <laughs> um what about velvet revolver oh no wow. love velvet revolver right Slither? yeah but but you can't take anything away from slash or duff mckagan no. or any of those other guys that were in that band no the band was tight um yeah. izzy yeah. stradlin all those guys yeah but yeah, I'm just I just don't, I don't like the way he sings. He can't sing. He's screaming all the time. Yeah, screechy. He was. You were talking about covers of Queen songs, um, and I'm I don't know if you guys have ever heard this version, but Dwight Yoakam did a did a cover of Crazy Little Thing Called Love. Mm-hmm. That's it's not horrendous. Okay. But it's it's you know it's it's way different than I expected because it's one of those songs. You know, that's going through the playlist and whatever pops up, pops up. And this song popped up and I was like, holy crap, Dwight Yoakam singing Queen. So that surprised me. I don't know if there's if there's ever anyone. I think there are songs that I don't think should ever be sung. Uh, Killing Me Softly, Roberta Flack, I think is one of those songs that is just so unique. And the version is what it is. Nobody should ever attempt it. But That's the really Fugees did it. The Fugees mm. did it, and, and and I I didn't mind the Fugees version. Uh, forget the the little the little rap bit and stuff, but um, yeah. I, I didn't mind the, the the Fugees version. And I mean, Roberta Flack is, and that is an amazing song. But it's strange because when you talked about covers, I did look at that one and I thought, actually, I don't mind. I don't mind the Fugees version. Um, I mean, Laurie Hill's got a, a fantastic voice, um, and and she does it. You know, really well. I'm not a fan of that one time. To you know, I'm not a fan yeah. of that. But the, the actual sort of her version of that song, I, I actually didn't mind. But yeah, the, the Roberta Flack is yeah brilliant. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I'm and, kind of with you on and that. You know Kevin. the um, what's that? I was just saying I agree with Kevin on that. I'm not a big fan. Oh of yeah, yeah, yeah. So so one of the one of the songs that I heard again, I didn't know it was a cover song. I thought Johnny Cash wrote Hurt oh. because he was getting so old and it just sounded all kind of like, hey, this is my last song, you know, and when he sang it, I was like, you know, the song, it just, to me, it was like, hey, this guy ain't going to make it too much longer. Like he's got this, he's got this really, he had so much emotion in it and to find out it was a Nine Inch Nails song, I was like, Really? Yeah. Like the, I had no idea until somebody else, you know, I didn't listen to a whole lot of Nine Inch Nails, but uh, it was probably one of the best remakes, I guess, that I could only because I felt like he felt every word of that. Yeah. He, it was, it was kind of his, you know, his, um, his swan song, you know, just kind of go out with it. And it, that's how I felt, you know, and I don't think he lived too much longer after that. No, I think you might be right, but I know I know exactly what you mean. The first time I heard that, and I did know it was a cover, only because I think I heard it on the radio, and they were saying it was a cover at the time. I'm not familiar with the original. I have heard it since. 
but wow, yeah, that that is that is one of those ones that is far superior, far superior to the original. It's absolutely fantastic song plays. I'm gonna, just before we close, let's just go quickly go around, check out one cover that everybody everybody should listen to and should love. Just quickly, who wants to go first? Do you want me to go first? You go first, yeah. Go on, then. You go. go. Oh, and I'm going to insult an entire nation now while I try and pre- pronounce this guy's surname. <laughs> <laughs> Over the rainbow, Israel. That one. That I, that I pronounced it terribly. I, Hawaii or wherever you're from. I can't remember. I apologize. I've made it worse. I've made it worse. But yeah, that version, somewhere over the rainbow. You must know that one by the the big Judy Garland. Judy Garland did it originally, obviously. Yeah, but there was a really famous cover, and and it was a it was a woman. Well, it, well this. This is a very large, uh, either um, Hawaiian or Samoan fellow singing it, and it is absolutely phenomenal. And I would recommend, if you've not heard it, Gary, you may not have heard it, I would suggest you go listen to it, because I think you would really, really enjoy it. I, I, I think I have, but if you ask me who it was, I, it's just something now when you've said, I, I think I might have heard it. And I'm trying to think of, I'll have to have a quick look now, but somebody did another Over the Rainbow and it, it was, and it got quite a lot of traction. It, it was quite um, a heartfelt, I don't know whether they released it in America, but it was like a bit of a sob story, was it? Who was the lady that released it? She, she, she died quite soon after and then became famous almost posthumously and, and it was, she did it. I'll, I'll, I'll Google it in a minute. You guys mm. talk about you and, and I'll, I'll Google it and find out for yeah. you. Go on. Who wants to go next? Then shut one out that everybody must listen to. So uh, in America, one of the biggest country singers of all time is Garth Brooks. He's he's done he's done a lot of a lot of covers, and some of them I didn't know were covers until afterwards again. And one of those was Billy Joel's "Shameless." And after I heard, and I I like the I like the Garth Brooks song, but after I went back and listened to the Billy Joel version, I think the Billy Joel version is much better. Just way better in my in my opinion, it's way better than the Garth Brooks version, which is, uh, you know, probably unpopular for a lot of people. But I would say anybody in America or anybody who's heard the Garth Brooks version, please go back and listen to uh, to uh, the original from Billy Joel. And uh, you'll I think you'll get a new appreciation for it. I've just had a look and it's Eva Cassidy was the name of the lady that I couldn't. Oh, okay. and, and she did. An, and actually, I, when, I, when I searched for somewhere over the rainbow cover, the big sort of Simone Hawaiian guys like this on the front. I have heard that version and and, and it is decent, but I haven't heard it for God donkey's years. So yeah, yeah. Go, go on, Kevin. Show show one of that for us. I guess one that I like now uh, is uh, Whiskey in a Jar, Thin Lizzy back in the day. Um, has been recently or since then recovered by or covered by Metallica. Their version is really good. Uh, I think it's it's one of those things. You kind of are a Metallica fan or you're not. It's, you know, they do uh, they do their own grip on music. Some of their stuff I like, the speed metal stuff I'm really not a fan of, but I thought they did a really good version of this. Just one of them things. Yeah, fair point. I've not heard that one either. Interesting. Oh, I don't mind Metallica. I would say I'm probably not their biggest fan, but, you know, Enter Sandman and uh, the other tune off that, off that Black Album it was an absolute gem. Nothing else matters. That's what I'm thinking of. Those are two absolute gems of tunes. Go on, guys, and shut one out before we say our goodbyes. There's actually there's a couple. So if you haven't heard, I'm a bit of a Simon and Garfunkel fan, but if you haven't heard the Disturbed, the Sound mm-hmm. of Silence cover, like, really good. 
like and it, it done in a completely different way than Simon and Garfunkel and and the guys the tone is very very sort of almost like guttural and and but yeah that that that's a really decent version if if you haven't heard it I'd, I'd go sort of say check it out and and there's actually if you go onto YouTube there's a guy called it Caleb Caleb Hales Hiles and he does lots of covers and he's a basically I think he's just sort of a, a heavy metal stroke soft metal sort of front man and he does loads and loads and loads of covers and his voice his range is extraordinary and and he does loads and loads and loads of decent covers but but yeah that 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 Sam McGoffin call that the is is worth is worth listening to if you haven't interesting you say that so we talked about you, you mentioned some of those famous for doing covers there's one guy out there who's really really famous for doing covers and I'm amazed nobody's mentioned him William, William Shatner <laughs> no not having it dude not you having it why are you laughing not having it <laughs> I could I could throw out there the 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 take that cover of could it be magic from Barry Manilow or whatever but you know, Adam Face <laughs> I'm not sure whether he was disdained at the take that version or the Barry Manilow version there if I'm honest but there we go <laughs> both just for I, knew, I knew you were going to say that yeah <laughs> so I'm going to give a quick shout out to our sponsors because now seems the time to do that so if you are interested in picking up some olives some nuts some pretzels or some chocolate covered pretzels head over to ollies-ollies.com and if you use the promo code TALLBOYRADIO, all capitals, all one word, as long as you are based in the UK, you will get 20% discount off your order. And with every order placed on their website, they donate a school meal to a child in need with the help of One Feeds 2. So, guys, I, this hour is absolutely whipped by, actually over the hour mark by a stretch. Yes. So, honestly, thank you very much for coming on. I'm not sure... We've put the argument to bed whether covers are valid or not. I, I, I think that they are. I think we've, we've discovered that they probably are. Kevin, been an absolute pleasure to meet you. I'm looking forward to hopefully meeting you in the person later in the year, as long as, like I say, our good friend Mr. Biden takes care of things and I'm able to come and visit and everything's tickety-boo. Uh, but, yeah, been been great to have you on here and, and hear your eclectic taste. Interestingly enough, you were the first man to mention the Smiths, not me. <laughs> you're, you're, welcome. <laughs> you're, you're welcome you're <laughs> welcome yeah, thank, thank you so we'll go around the room and we'll say our goodbyes we'll leave it to our guests first Bo go on do you want to say goodbyes to our listeners as soon as we open it up with your dulcet tones with the recording you left for us yeah right yeah uh, I appreciate this and you know Kevin being on he's such a you know he just he's opened me up to a lot of music as well so and just the fact that he knows, you know, so much other music, it was it's good having him on tonight. I'm not drinking uh, any alcohol because I still I'm still, you know, point one zero from last night. So uh, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to get myself together for work tomorrow. So I appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Fair play, fair play, Kevin. Thank you, gentlemen, for having me on. This was my very first, and I take it from Bo's comment that we're supposed to introduce what it is that we're drinking. PBR. I'll get you some when you come over. Yes. Um, not not the choice of everybody, but it is mine. No, no, Thanks no. again, guys, for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Fun enough, I have PBR on the podcast on episode 166 because we, we have some friends which inspired us to do the podcast in the first place, guys, called Tiddy and Shanna, and they're very, very famous. They're based in Oklahoma, and they're very famous mm. for their, their enjoying PBR. So, they did 166 episodes on their of their podcast. So on episode 166, I was drinking PBR. Gaza, 
yeah, love the episode. As you said, Ed, it's sort of whipped by the, the sort of hour. Um, I suppose we could carry on for another hour, really, which sort of leads down the the, the, the age old sort of route of well, we need to do another one then, because um, right. you know we I don't think we have put it to bed. But it's been an absolute pleasure having the, the, the two guys on both. Great to see you again. Great to chat, Kevin. Great to meet you. I hope we can sort of do it again sometime. And and I'm sort of still slightly recovering from last night as well. So I was actually drinking tea today. Uh, I say re- ready for. For, for, for work tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm taking leaf out of your book, Bo. Fair play. Fair play. Well, I'll tell you what I'm drinking, dude. And I, I'll tell you what, I've not been as disappointed in the beer in, in a long, long time. So, this has been sat in my cupboard for a while. McKellar, yeah? So, normally, make really, really good yeah. beers. And this is an evergreen, hazy IPA. It's literally one of the worst beers I've ever, ever had. And I don't know how long. It just basically, I might as well have drank tea with you and I bloody ate tea. And uh, <laughs> I've had a vocation to Contropic DDH IPA. And I can tell you that was much, much better. So that just leaves it to me to say thank you guys for joining us. Thank you out there for listening. If you've enjoyed listening to myself and Bo, we're actually guesting on another podcast coming very, very soon. Unfiltered Discussions with Brian Howard. We're recording that on the 21st of May. We're telling that rather unique story of ours. So hopefully you'll get to hear a different spin. Somebody experiencing it for the first time and asking questions of us. So that should be interesting. But it just leaves it to me to say thank you. Good night. Thanks for listening. And we'll catch you again next week. Mm -hmm.